Good Wednesday morning, guys. My name is Jerry Miller, and this is Real Talk with Keith Smith. Thank you kindly for joining us. It's an absolute pleasure to connect with you through the I Love Seville Network on a show today presented by Ross Mortgage and Scott Morris. The man moves mountains for his clients. The man is who you should call if you'd like to finance a home purchase, a vacation property, or refinance your current home. Scott Morris of Ross Mortgage. Judah Wickhauer, our director, Keith Smith, the distinguished gentleman, on set today, and that makes us quite happy. This is two days in a row that Keith Smith has been on set. Um, I love it, him. It didn't even take. I love him dearly. He knows. He knows I do. Judah Wickhauer, let's studio camera and maybe a three shot. Gentlemen, it's a Wednesday. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. What is happening in the wide world? We got Jerome Powell talking again today. I know. Um, nothing dramatic happening in the market, so he must not be saying anything. Uh, super newsworthy at the moment. Why don't we start with some content here for Judah Woodcarris. Scotty Moe, the show is yours. Ross Mortgage, Scott Morris. What are you following right now? Um, right, uh, right now I'm following Jerome Powell, uh, who's speaking at the moment, who's talking about uh, softening in the job market. And uh, we've seen a pretty stable rate over the past week we'd like to see some improvement i do believe that is coming under the same measures that i've been marking all year fourth quarter is going to be really where the needle starts to move uh the fed has priced in a potential 50 uh, basis point rate increase uh i don't think that that is going to happen we're at a place where we're beginning to see softening in the economy that's going to result in a longer Fed pause, potentially higher than longer, but it's going to be good for mortgage rates in the long term. What's the softening you're seeing? You're seeing credit card debt all time high, used car prices clearly auto down. debt, auto debt super high. Yeah. Um, we're starting to see uh, the days, your day lates, your 30s, 60s, 90s, uh, beginning to run. We've got student loan debt that's coming back on the table uh, that will really impact a lot of people. The the economic development from that is in the time where the those student loans were deferred, that that additional income went into auto loans, credit card debt, and uh, personal choices like uh, spending, sp- personal spending. Yeah. So as that the student loan repayments become active again, you've got debt that's grown and it's at a higher interest rate than before all of this started, people are going to be in a bad place, unfortunately. I think that's a very accurate depiction of what's coming down the pipe. Keith Smith, the show is yours. Yeah, so while Scott was talking, I just took a I look. would like to do a take that's a little more sunshiny, but we'll get to that later in the Absolutely. Show. We got three of them to do. <laughs> we have three of them to do. Keith Smith, John Blair, welcome to the show. Throw some sunshine. I'll I'll throw some some sunshine. Here's the the thing. What he's saying is truthful, though. Yeah, yeah, totally. What he's saying is very accurate. Totally. You know, but, but, um, you know, and about the information I'm about ready to share isn't any more rosy either. Uh, But... Yeah, you know, it, 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 uh, where you were talking about Powell, I was thinking maybe the people really want to listen to Jerry Scott and Keith. Don't listen to that guy anymore. Listen, listen, listen to us. That being said, I just took a quick look at this week ending today, 628 going back. Actives coming on is 51 in the car footprint. And because somebody who sits across from me taught me how to take pictures and time state stamp all of them. 
June 27, 2022, a year ago, 102. So we're less than 50% where we were as far as actives go. So, you know, the, the market is definitely, as far as activity goes, What have we said? Got to get worse before it gets better. We're getting worse. We see rates improving. Inventory to follow. We're, we're in it. But we're, I think we're, I think we're uh, turning the page. What's the, what are we at? Seven, one for decent credit? I <clears> know <throat> uh, you're in the sixes still. Yeah? Yeah. yeah Six, yeah, yeah. nine? Um, uh, obviously, it all depends on the person. Let's say, let's say 6.65. There you go. How's your applications looking? Good. Uh, you know, that's a number I'd like to track a little bit more. Ebbs and flows. Uh, I, I feel like uh, a couple weeks ago we kind of went through a belly uh, and then had a, a, a big flurry here in the last uh, last seven days. What about your contract? What about your contact to contract? That's a that time is continuing to grow. Uh, I've That's certainly got talk about how important that is. So con, uh, contact to contract is the the time when somebody comes in, completes a mortgage loan application. Uh, we send a pre approval, and then the time it takes them to get under contract on a property. Now, for some people, that time is very short. Uh, they may be making a very strong offer. They they could be. Uh, putting enough money down to where we have an appraisal waiver and they get an offer accepted that very weekend. But for somebody who's shopping at a lower price point, let's say less than $350,000, there's a scarcer amount of inventory available to that person and they're competing with more people uh, in getting those contracts accepted. So that's where we see this, this timeline grow, especially if they have specific needs like school districts or counties or time from work as far as distance of travel. Those types of things can make it very competitive in being in the place that you want to be at lower price points. Are you starting to are you seeing contract prices kind of going up right you're not I know it's hard for you to take a look at that you know because you're not looking at unit to unit but is your average con- average loan going average up average loan amount is increasing increasing so therefore if your average loan is increasing therefore sales prices yes. are increasing is average loan amount increasing because sales price is increasing or because down payment is decreasing or is it both great question is down payment decreasing because cost of living is becoming more expensive, so no, there's less I think, income? No. I think your, your typical buyer, uh, depending on the situation, my advice to everyone is if you're not putting down 20% to go conventional and remove mortgage insurance. PMI. Or potentially putting 10% down uh, FHA uh, because then you're in a – a role that the mortgage insurance is only removable for FHA with a, a down payment of 10% or greater uh, after 10 years. Now, with that said, if you're trapping additional money in a mortgage, it doesn't really, it, there's no true benefit, especially right now when you are most likely going to refinance this loan inside of 12 months. Why would you go and trap money in that you could be using for? other debts, lifestyle choices, whatever you've got going on, as opposed to uh, li- trapping it into a mortgage that you have to pay to get that money back out if you need it. That's a good take. Why don't we strike the first sizzle reel, because it was specific to J-PAL and very timestamp oriented. That right there is the second one. The first one was Keith's question to uh, Scott on applications, 
and now we've got two sizzle reels that are a bit more rosy. All right, rosy. I rosy. like it. I like it. A bit more rosy. That's called branding. Is that really? That's called branding, <laughs> branding. right there. Yo. Keith Smith, jump in here, my friend. You just got branded, brother. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so um, I, I wanted to add a little little bit to that, which may be another sizzle reel. I'm not that, that I'm in control of that. Um, do give a quick one one on one class on PMI, right? You know, how much does it cost, average, an average buyer? What does it, what does it do, and how do I make it go away? Because I get these questions all the time. Oh, my God, if I'm not putting 20% down, I'm paying PMI. But what really is the impact of PMI on the average buyer as far as costs go, right? And what is, it, what is the purpose of it? And then how do I make it go away? On the fly, you can do it on I can own. get into the factor um, that you're going to pay, but most people aren't going to understand that for the purpose of a sizzle reel or talking point on the show. Um, why don't Generally. we jump in? I'll give some some broad strokes. So let's say uh, on... Easy numbers. A $500,000 loan with 720 credit or better, I... Uh, five percent down you're going to have you'll be paying mortgage insurance of around two hundred dollars a month got it so on a on i just want to put this in perspective on a half a million dollar loan you're paying two hundred dollars in pmi but you're keeping per month yes i, I get approximately that. Uh, plus or minus right yeah. this is Broad this is a strokes. talk show we're not going to hold you anything to it but the point i'm trying to make is you get but then you get to keep all your cash Correct. Right, and that's the point you're trying to make. You get to keep, if you have it. Now, you get all right, let's say, all right, for this purpose of this exercise, let's say that you've got the cash, um, and you know that you're going to refinance this loan inside of a year. Like, this is a thing that's going to happen. You keep the cash on the sidelines, you refinance, you put the money in then, because that's going to be the most effective way to get you to the lower payment in the future. So let's just let's play for devil's advocate for the sake of a talk show to steal Jerry's line on it. I'm, I'm really good at plagiarism. I, I think that's a really good I thing. Think, I think the human race is good at plagiarism. Yeah, absolutely. What, what makes us tick, we're, we're, you're not that original. There is no, no, there one, is, no one remembers Tom from MySpace, but they remember Mark from Facebook. There you go. That's called plagiarism. That's First to market gets slaughtered. <laughs> second to market stacks the paper. There you go. Well... Um, nothing ever original really has been thought of anyway. It's always been reprocessed at somehow. Just look at movies. There you go. Mm. <laughs> it's true, right? Yeah. Um, I was having a – Smith just kicked in. I was having a conversation in an elevator at the wedding I was at about the Flintstones. Go figure. I love the Flintstones. But do you know what the Flintstones is a reboot of? A class, Another classic TV show. Was it Come the on, Jetsons? You, you, no, 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 no. No. You, 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 you know. You, Judah knows what it is. Black and white, done in the 50s. Oh, yeah, I remember those times. Absolutely. The Honeymooners. <laughs> oh, the Honeymooners. Okay. With Jackie Gleason. Jackie Fantastic. Gleason. To the moon. To yeah. the moon, Alice. Anyway, I don't know how that got in here. But let's assume. You're talking PMI in the 200. You were about to drop some knowledge. I here. was about ready to do that. So let's assume the interest rates don't go back, come down. I put all my cash to the side. Okay. Right? Interest rates, don't, they stay the same. Let's assume that you're. you're prediction quite doesn't happen it's in the year i don't want to do this how do i make that pmi go away can i use my cash to make that pmi go away can i pay down my loan you can uh there's a couple different options so let's say that you've uh got two hundred thousand dollars and instead of uh 
instead of putting it in the mortgage, you put it into uh, a bond that's yielding you 5% uh, on a one year. So one year from now, you pull 5% of that $200,000 out. Uh, you pull the whole $200,000 out plus plus the 5% that you made on it. And then you dump that money back into the, the mortgage. You potentially could recast the mortgage with your current servicer, then pay for an appraisal buy that servicer to come out and then have the current value and the current loan amount show that you could remove the mortgage insurance. So uh, I, I didn't want to get into the too much. I just wanted to let folks know that there's a, a you can actually go so back. So without and refinancing the loan, you could still get out of the MI uh, and 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 move everything and make your money work there's for a path you. There. And there's a path there. However, I highly would you're you're most likely most likely uh, going to benefit greater from refinancing than just recasting because if you just recast you're going to be at the same rate that you are today i got Um, i'm plating the scenario the rates go up what percentage of your clients that finance loans with you and ross are putting 20 percent down percentage of my clients um i do a lot of gubby so fha va um usda when it's viable uh, I would say I probably do 20% conventional and 10% conventional where they are putting 20% down. So you're talking a third of your book of business? That are, where they're, uh, I'd say a tenth of my book of business is putting 20% down. Okay. That's what, what percentage are your clients doing? Very rarely. It's 20%. Very rarely you will see a 20% down. Wow. Very rarely. You'll, you'll you'll see a twenty percent. I mean, there's some lenders yeah. who probably do a lot of that, but and yeah. they do all conventional loans. It's very cut and dry. There's yeah. no out of the box thinking. Yeah. Um, there's not there's not more twenty percent down payments with folks selling homes with this massive amount of equity. No, I'm not seeing it. It's not. It's it's not, and and we're seeing homes from two three hundred to eight hundred to a million bucks, and they're they're generally following Scott's path right they're they're even at six percent seven percent they're using other people's money they're keeping their cash assuming they have it to go ahead in whatever portfolios that are making a little bit of money for them and they are for the most part most uh, i will tell you of the 24 25 closings we've had this year so far personally um man i I could probably count on one hand was 20 percent wow uh but they're all following this path of, of okay, let's see what the refi. It's the reason I wanted to ask Scott the question is, if the interest rate doesn't go down, what does that look like, and how do I make my PMI go away? You know, so uh, thank you for answering that. You're welcome. Uh, questions coming in. Jason Howard on Rio Road, King of Rio. Student loan payments, Scott mentioned, resume in October. Lots of retail goes in the black due to the holiday spending in Q4. He's right. Do you boys think the resumption of these student loan payments will have a significant impact on holiday spending come Christmas Christmas time? I say absolutely. I think yes, and you're also going to see that credit card debt uh, continue to uh, skyrocket. Yeah, that's we're at an all-time high in American history right now with that credit card debt. That scares me more than anything. Hey, we got a government that says just let it ride, baby. They do say let it ride. I, I'm quite nervous about the credit card debt as well. And he's highlighted the auto loan debt is mounting, and we're starting to see, as he's also said, it's all over the the national news. Um, folks behind on payments. Yeah, on these vehicles. And another thing, another interesting wrinkle, you follow the national news, 
the car values are dropping fast. So a lot of these loans. Well, they went were, up. They went up so fast. But the a lot of these loans were done on values that no longer exist. are there on these vehicles. You talked about that maybe eight or ten months ago, and that legitimately is happening right now. Mm -hmm. So folks owe more money on vehicles than the vehicle is actually worth, and they're paying taxes personal property well, taxes that's, on vehicles that are more than what they are actually worth. Exactly. At this point. So yeah. that's not uncommon. So you'll find uh, a huge percentage. I'm going to go out on a limb here because this, this is a Scott guesstimation. This is not based on any data. Um, but I will go out and say that 40% of people who are in an auto loan are upside down for the first 24 months. Mm. I don't know about that because you're saying because you're saying the car shocked because you're saying a brand new vehicle as soon as you drive it off the lot depreciates forty percent and they took the loan on the full sticker value. Yeah, that 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 because okay, they, they did they did one hundred percent finance. Yes. They did one hundred percent finance. Once okay. you once that car yeah, actually, leaves take, the lot, I think you right. now own a used car. I think you're right. And now. outside of these crazy COVID, uh, well, I didn't think about it from the way of like one hundred percent finance because I just didn't you know. Yeah, you're, they're borrowing all the money, and outside yeah. of this weird planet, you're 100 percent right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, that's I mean, not, not, not to equate housing. There's a reason they sell you gap insurance in the box at, a, at the car dealership. It's because if you wreck that car and it's worth less than what you owe on it, you're responsible for the difference. So that everybody isn't absolutely effed in that situation. They're selling you that to your benefit. It's not something they're just the they're trying to get over on you with there is actually a benefit to that because not all insurance is going to cover up to the full value of the car you're you're 100 percent right I, I was just looking at it from the lens of putting a down you know a, a sizable upfront payment most people don't do that right right it, you're 100 percent right they don't have the money yeah. Well, and, and they, they trade in one car as long as I And so they go and they were up. You get people that, that were upside down when they trade the car. So they're packing bad debt from vehicle A into vehicle B and financing it for eight years. Like, bro, it's bonkers. Been there, been there, done that. Got the T-shirt and the stars and everything. Well, you made the analogy to housing. And here's the analogy I want to make with housing. Someone that purchased a crib say in the last 24 months, 18 months, 12 months, can we make in a comparison or a direct analogy to the brand new car driven off the lot? So our chemistry is working because that's literally where I was going to go because Yona and I have two vehicles um, just about paid off, but 0% financing, they're four or five years old. Uh -huh. I'm not going to buy another car. Now, we don't put a lot of miles on the car. We take care of them. They're less than 50,000 miles on them. They're four or five years old. Really great condition. But I'm not going to roll in and get another car at seven whatever percentage. That's it. synonymous with the what Scott's called dead inventory. With Folks that got the 2.75% interest rate, why would we ever list? So that's why you're at 51 versus 102. There you go. Because this time last year it was 3%. People were putting houses on 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 the on the market, and you're hundred hundred percent right. That is that there 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 are a couple of things that are pressuring the inventory market. That's one. The second one is people. I just read a report this morning on NAR. Now I, I haven't had a chance to dig in and fact check it, but they're talking about people staying in homes for thirteen years now. So we went from five to seven to eight to thirteen years in the last few years. 
So folks are staying in their home longer. They're not selling unless they absolutely have to. The buyers are out there. There's a huge pool, but the inventory is shrinking. You you asked me how long this inventory crunch is going to stay. I put another. We, we talked about it last Wednesday, and I, I'm going to you know I think we got a total 10 year window, and I think we're about five years into it. We've been all years. over. We've been all over this topic here. I'll tell you, and he, the man is watching right now, John Blair. You legitimately put this on my radar. I think like 20 months ago. Um, and I want to give that man some props on that. I think we should also highlight a new partner of Real Talk with Keith Smith. Please, thank You'll you. You'll see the branding and logo on screen. Um, Jeremy Rowe of Goosehead Insurance, mm-hmm. a new partner of Real Talk with Keith Smith. We, we, we could see Jeremy Rowan coming. You're going to see him in coming shows because that whole conversation about insurances and gap insurances and all that stuff that's the expert to answer that question and how that actually works but yeah welcome to Germany take a look at real talk with Keith Smith pull down the partner tabs support the folks because uh, we may ha- we is it on the partners tab soon to be on the partners soon to be on the partners tab all right it will be on but, the partners tab by the time the show is over but but in, in but the point is those support those folks those folks let us do what we do well every day. and you've personally vet them I personally vet them. We do business with every single one of them. Yeah, you vet them. These are the people you can trust. Jamie Turner, mayor of Gordonsville, repping the pep and call pepper. Did you see any of the data points I posted yesterday on Airbnb? I I did. did Um, You did? I did, yeah. Um, It was Phoenix, which was the two cities that got hit really hard. I'll I'll call the... uh, It was Phoenix and and maybe Vegas. Airbnb revenue in in 10 cities is collapsing, Scott. I'll give you these data points. Um, I don't know this town. Is it Serviville, Tennessee? Serviville? Revenue in this particular municipality in Tennessee is down basically 50%. Phoenix down basically 50%. Austin, Texas down 46%. Myrtle Beach, 45%. San Antonio, 44%. Asheville, 42%. Salisbury, Maryland, 40%. Nashville, 40%. Denver, 40%. Breckenridge, 38%. New Orleans, 37%. Lakeland, Florida, 36%. Seattle, 36%. Panama City, 35%. Orlando, Florida, 35%. And the list can continue. Very this inter- is year-over-year revenue drops. Very interesting you should say that. So I'm going out to Seattle. I'm doing a race with Seattle to Portland July 14th, 15th and 16th. I can't get an Airbnb in Seattle. So it's really interesting. Revenue is dropping, but the availability... And uh, the place that I used to stay out there, I, I actually connected with the homeowner and I called her directly. She sold her house. So she stopped doing Airbnb and she sold the property because, you know, the inventory was light and so forth and so on. But just an interesting side fact that even though the inventory is going down, I can't find an Airbnb to stay in because the um, little baby's Here's crying. the concern. I'll outline it. You guys are the experts. People took cheap money during the pandemic at two, three percent, four percent rates, they bought Airbnb properties because hey, it's cool to be a business owner. It's easy to be a business owner. Running a small business is sexy. I saw it on Shark Tank. Yada yada yada. Okay. Then they have success with these Airbnbs. Here's what's happening: the values of those houses have diminished. The loans these people got in a true more legitimate interest rate environment, they probably would never have gotten those loans. And now the speculation is, at least in these 10 cities, and they have a list of 50 where it's a third down year over year in America, 
that this could create a turnover of housing. Maybe it's the inventory we need. Okay. I don't think the volume is that. I don't large. think the volume's there. Yeah. But people are basically people are basically saying they got Airbnb revenue that's not what it used to be, and homes that aren't valued at what they used to be anymore. Well, we, the government. I disagree so with the value. Fannie Freddie called the Phoenix. So this started. This started a while ago yeah, when they placed. Uh, Boston, they placed LLPAs on second home purchases. Second homes used to price like a first. So your your interest rate for buying a, a second home was just like buying a primary. There was no no hit there. Um, now it's your you know three quarters of a point or greater uh, in a second home purchase than primary uh, because. The thought was, why are so? Where is all of the second home purchasing coming from? Because a lot of it wasn't true second homes. It was for this, and I talked about this on the show a year ago. And I think now we're starting to see, you know, again when I talk about the M two money supply and the softening of inflation, the deacceleration of, uh, or or what's the uh, that's there's a phrase. Uh, the, the viewers and listeners can help you out. We can help you out. We'll walk it through. It's not magnificent. It's the uh, 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 what's the, what Jesus' birth, but it's also called the anyways. Oh, Jesus' uh, birth. Ma, uh, yeah, the immaculate, the immaculate de, de- inflation or dis- the immaculate, the immaculate, <laughs> immaculate disinflation is okay. what my brain can't find. Um, what is that? That is. Inflation came on so fast, and it, uh, inflation is going to disappear so fast. There, there's an entire group of financiers and economists who believe that this is the case. Huh. And it's funny you should say that. I was actually reading this on Market Watch yesterday, the exact same thing about did we really have inflation? Well, this goes into Scott's uh, anything's transitory if the timeline's long enough. <laughs> I knew that and, was uh, I knew that was <laughs> I know Scott pretty well. I feel like we are we are in that pocket at the moment to get there. There's some things that will make it a little stickier, some wage growth and housing increase. That there's those are realities that we're just not going to be able to undo. But a lot of this money that was pushed into the system has been spent at the consumer level and has been raked in by the government and entities that are corporations that are not going to release like bro apple's got like 200 billion dollars in cash no one conceivably understands how much money that is i mean we're we're talking apple's market Uh, cap i'm using them as just an example they're not the only ones in uh insurance companies uh health insurance companies or we're we're talking about are sitting on tens to hundreds of billions of dollars of cash that has exponentially grown over the last three years. And what happened when this money was pushed into the system, it was raked by entities who aren't going to push it back in, and this this money for people to go out and spend on Airbnbs and do these types of things are coming off of the table. Apple and Amazon, legitimately their market cap, they're wealthier than 90% of the countries in the world. Mm Mm-hmm. Think about that. Apple and Amazon have more cash to deploy and cash on hand than 90% of the countries in the world. And they grow that with bond issuance. And uh, they've actually gone in and said, we're not going to release new bonds now because the, you know, it, now is not the, the rate environment that we need to do that. 
Um, Keith Smith, I see the wheels turning. Yes. And your daughter's got a comment. Oh, love to, love to hear that. Um, Immaculate disinflation. I like Come that. On brain. I like that. Carly so, Wagner, hello. Holly Foster, hello. So all these little pieces of the puzzle are going to start helping the inventory a little bit, right? You know, the disinflation, Airbnbs becoming less less profitable. I'm not so sure that's going to help. Is that the case in our footprint? I don't think it's going to help in Central Virginia. It's not going to help in the car footprint. Yeah. You know, we are a real estate show. We are talking about what impacts us locally and in, in, in regionally. But, but guys, we're 56% off from the same time last year of new inventory coming on the market. So anything like that is going to help. There's also, God forbid I even say it, there, there, there's, you know, you're going to start seeing a little bit of foreclosures start creeping back into the market. Um, I mean, these are single, very low digit, single digit numbers. They're not huge, huge amount, but it's going to be a little, little bit into it on it. But what really needs to help and I can't believe I'm going to, uh, you know, I, I just don't know what the impact's going to be. But if interest rates drop again a little bit, I think you're going to see that inventory drop, pick uh, up, excuse me, a little bit. This from uh, Yvonne? Yep, Yvonne. She's given Scott props. She has undoubtedly said Scott Morris is the person to use to finance a home purchase. Yvonne and Houston um, utilize Scott's services when buying their home in Richmond. Um, she says, in my opinion, Airbnb is the same price as a hotel here. They also have cleaning fees and required cleaning for checkout, so less cleaning and the same price for a hotel. I can add some perspective to this. Um, Airbnbs have gotten so so exorbitant with the fees associated with renting one that it now almost makes sense just to go to a four or five star hotel because the four or five star hotel offers more amenities and a more luxurious experience. Now, if you're traveling with some in-laws, your dog and a baby, the value proposition of the Airbnb is there because you have a little bit more room for your family to enjoy. But if it's just you and your honey and you're going somewhere... Or, well, or, or me and a bike. Or you and a bike. <laughs> why wouldn't we go to a four and five star hotel instead of an Airbnb? So here's it's the, more luxurious. So here's the problem, Yvonne, and here's the problem where Yvonne lives. So the city of Seattle is kind of... It's an anomaly. No, it's an anomaly, but it, in a way it's a lot like Charlottesville, much larger. But most of the city is single-family detached homes by some huge percentage amount. There's no hotel near where Yvonne and Houston live right now. I have to go downtown, which is a pain in the hiney, to go down there because you've got to go down I-5, which is a pain in the hiney, to go down there and do this. So I can't get a hotel that's within walking distance of Yvonne's house, but I can get an Airbnb, assuming they were, they were, they were available. But anyway, you know we're 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 between thirty to fifty percent down in volume. That thirty to fifty percent, I think, is going to stay flat for quite a while um, before the inventory starts creeping back up. To, I'm just looking at days on market. It's it's. It, uh, this is an interesting comment from Jennifer, who's watching in Belmont. Hasn't the inventory season gotten behind us already? She's obviously highlighting the spring season. Um, you're the expert. You've said many times on the show, maybe that's not so much the case anymore. I, I, I think this year's kind of feeling a little like normal, but not. Maybe yes, maybe no yes, right? But uh, the reality of it is I can think pretty much since COVID on out, this whole seasonal thing is out the window. Um, 
Woody Fincham. That is the exact um, hey, graph that I highlighted on the uh, I Love Seville network last evening, the one that you sent to me about the Airbnb collapse being real. He's highlighting 10 markets, actually 15 markets where the collapse is real. A friend of the program, actually is my brother, uh, <laughs> owns a uh, significant property in the French Quarter that's associated, that's yeah. tied to Airbnb. Yeah. Um, How's he doing? Right now it's full, but I know for a fact he's watching this closely. He also has a uh, property in, um, where's the spot in California? Is it due to Palm Springs, the desert? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, yeah, my sister's in Palm Springs area. Yeah, he's got a four-bedroom, three-bath in Palm Springs as well that he's airbnb So he's watching this extremely closely. Um, I mean, I think that's just that, all right, so you're, there are some places in some areas that drive enough tour, uh, tourist destination that will always continue to rent but bring a smaller premium. And there are places where people stuck these things here, there, and everywhere that just won't drive rents. And that's okay. I mean, it's not for everybody, but that's the, the whole purpose of... The people who went out and bought second homes and did this, and and because they saw how lucrative it was during this period of of fake money of the the government, you know, pushing all this. You know, something that you've seen. What's the what's the the polit, uh, the dude who's running for president uh, that was pushing UBI, universal basic income? Uh, uh, Ross Pro? No, Ross Pro's <laughs> not. Pushing UBI. I uh, thought you were going to make uh, um, a reference to RFK and the squats and push-ups no, and no, the, and no, the uh, bench press he was doing. Gosh, you know, if that dude talked, if he had a little smoother delivery, and I know he's been through a lot in his life, uh, he, he would... He, You're talking Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang, thank yeah. you. The Andrew Yang, the, the UBI argument after this little science experiment that we, uh, or financial experiment that we went through during COVID, that argument's completely gone away. It's not talked about. And it's not talked about because it failed. It is a failed model. It created the inflation that we exist in right now. And it is what supported so many of these Airbnbs and this, 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 you know, situation that we got ourselves in. And some of them are going to go away. Some businesses are going to fail. Some banks are going to be taken over. We've got something like 2,000 banks in the United States. There is going to be a consolidation in the next 48 months. In the next four years, you will see a number of small regional banks taken over or merged with others. I agree with um, and in the, the, You think that's tied to the uh, bad debt on commercial? I think that it's tied to a lot of things. But, yeah, that's a big part of it. Yeah, um, there's... Watch, we've been talking about this for a while. Watch the commercial market. That and the multifamily market. On a national level, locally, eh, I think commercial will be a little, a little soft on the retail well, side. Well, I mean, look at it this way. you got, uh, and Scott, you can jump in way on this. Way too much multifamily being built right now. You can jump in on this. you got government bonds at what? Summit 5.5? Five, five? Mm-hmm. 5.5? Uh, what's to you right now? And you could... So while Scott's doing that, you, you got last, some, some savings accounts at what, four point seven five? Yeah, sure. Some savings accounts at four point yeah. seven five. Yeah. So if you got a building and your cap rates in the four to six percent, which is low, let's say it's in the four to six percent. Mm-hmm. 
why would someone be intrigued about that versus guaranteed 5-5 five, five and a government bond? Yeah, yeah, sure. So and, there's until some that goes six, away. There's some six then, months that have been out there at that 5-5 five, five range. At 5-5? I mean, five, five? Two years trading right now at 4-7. 4-7. So. And then what? we have some savings accounts at 4-7-5, don't we? Yeah. My, I think our money market's around 5 something like that. I mean, that's pretty damn good yeah, yeah, yeah. for just yeah. parking your money in an account it's, and doing it's, jack. It's interesting that approach that you took because, you know, what a cap rate is a capitalization rate, right? It's what, what, your, what your percentage income is going to get on, an, on, a, on a commercial property, not to get too much in the weeds in it, but it's an interesting analogy. Why the hell would you want to do that when I can just take X And do nothing. And do nothing. Until it changes. Until it changes. Right. But then you know what I see, and this is... Now's the opportunity to buy. That's what I see. Yeah, yeah. Now's the opportunity. And, and, and because honest, people are doing the easy route where the entrepreneur can come in and do the hard route, and then that's going to change. So not to get down a, a rabbit hole here, but that's why a couple, I have a couple of 1031 exchange clients that are looking to buy. Nobody wants to rent anymore. Everybody wants to buy. Yeah. Because it's exactly... Even though it's kind of expensive, but if they're doing 1031 exchange... It's not expensive because it's cash, one for one cash, over with with that expecting to happen. Carly, Carly, uh, what? Carly, really love. I just literally got a text from a client about Airbnb collapsing. Carly Wagner uh, says Scott Morris for president. Uh, She says Scott taking a a nonsense um, Andrew Yang idea and then taking a critical look at economic issues rather than denying and hiding. So we should, we should offer a Very interesting. I've got this. a client watching the show who has a bunch of Airbnbs. I'll leave the name out. That just texted me the same email, my same article. He has a bunch of Airbnb. His is doing well. He's got an 80% occupancy rate. He's got four of them. I believe it's four units on a property in Albemarle County. I mean, County. explain to me how uh, universal basic income. Don't you income, love this show? Universal basic <laughs> income is not socialism. Universal basic income is this. You have the populace, and the populace is going to get from the government income for their lives. How is that not socialism? Well, I'll take it one step further than that because I lived it for six years. That's kind of the basis of the socialist Soviet system, right? It, it basically encourages people not to work. Yeah, yeah. We're going to stay away from that. Didn't we have that during COVID with the handouts? And didn't we see the collateral damage of that? No one wants to talk about that because if you do, you're just a mean capitalist. Well, that's that's specifically what I'm talking about right now. Didn't the wall also come down and all that kind of great stuff? Yeah. And that's specifically what I'm talking about. You've got to live that stuff to really understand. No, I understand that. And I understand that those those COVID payments, what was it, the PPP stuff? Is that what it... Sure. I understand that saved... Millions of people. No, I'm not I, trying to like take the empathy no, out no, of it. No, no, But we got in this position because of that. Someone part. who's watching the show can all get right. this. I was listening. I'm to gonna the, blow the whistle on that. Uh, so uh, the whole, all of that, the you you can't have the government out. tell everybody they can't go to work and then not do anything about it. That was overall a bad call. All the, you know, I'm not going to get into the the people, the friends that I alienated and told, hey, bro, you're just dumb uh, over the fact that. Uh, the, the, the hot takes on COVID and, and the whole thing, people should have been going to work, you should have been going to the gym, you should have been allowed to be outside, And but if the government's going to tell you you can't go to work, then they have to step in and make amends, and that amends was that money, and unfortunately that money put us in the place that we're at today, so the whole argument of UBI behind that 
we've shown is not a successful plan for a society in general. So yes, it is socialism on its face, and yes, it doesn't work. Repeatedly, we've shown that. So I, somebody hey man, has brother. to... Can I give him some props? Somebody has to research... Judah, it. we worked every day during COVID, did we not? Yeah. I know we did. I, we was had going, masks. I was going to the gym every day during COVID. We had masks. We had earphones. We, gain, we gained market share during COVID. We had masks. Our competitors were collecting PPP. I'll just leave it at that. So I, I heard Steve something. really doesn't want to talk about this. Scott's eager to talk about it. <laughs> no, no, no. I, 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 I mean, I traveled during COVID to foreign countries. So it's a matter of your comfort level and what you were doing. But the, what I've been trying to get out is I heard on an NPR and somebody who's smarter than me can go ahead and look it up. There was some huge percentage of all this money that was given out that nobody knows where it went. Oh, it, I saw it today. It was over $200 billion some in COVID fraud. $200 billion that's, that's, dollars in COVID that's, fraud. That's, I couldn't remember the exact number. So part so of not that, only the, did that the all Los happen. Angeles Lakers got COVID money. The Los Angeles Lakers. So all, not only did all the stuff that you guys are talking about happening, the money got misused on top of it. Yeah. On, on top of all of that now, on the positive side, I can say this, because we gave out almost $4 million, we meaning the Regional Housing Partnership, to people that were to help them pay their mortgages and their, and their rent. So that, that was good. That helped a bunch of great folks. But what was it billion, $2 billion? Nobody really kind of know. It. They, they went places that they shouldn't have went to. Uh, $200 billion. $200 was $200 billion. In COVID fraud. $200 billion. $200 billion. And we're surprised fraud, why we have inflation. Unemployment fraud that existed at its peak during the COVID years is the reason that that report is not taken as seriously as it is today, which is adversely affecting the bond market and not giving people a realistic look at what the economy is actually doing right now. There it is. There it is. So any, any rosy stuff on the I mean, feet? We're, we're being honest, and it's resonating with the viewers. Um, Carly highlights, and those went to work, they got no money. It just increased the cost for everything, lower wage increases because poor economic outlooks. 100% right. 100% right. Um, oh, what a mess. Um, Scott, what's on the brain? Um, you know, uh, we're out here helping people buy homes every single day and it's competitive in different places and everybody's situation is unique each real estate transaction is its own little fingerprint and there's different problems in each situation and how we go about solving them takes the right people and the right professionals and so if you're you know you're you're somebody in the business who's out there watching this like just know that uh communication is key where, where, who are your people? Where are your people at? Like, where's your team? That's the, and that should be in everything. Uh, you know, right now there's uh, dealerships. There's a uh, when we talk when I talk about businesses that are uh, banks that are going to be merging, and you're seeing it right here in Charlottesville. Flow is flow is taken over the dealership game here in Charlottesville. Oh, big time, dude! Pantops is not Pantops anymore. It's Flow Tops. 
Well, have uh, you seen it? Well, they just Umansky purchased right there. Yeah. So twenty nine. Jim Price is uh, wrapping up. Yeah. Uh, by they're going to be Flow now. Uh, Flow built an epicenter across the street on Pantops from their other epicenter. Mm-hmm. Literally, like across the street from them, and and Flow props to Flow doing what the Buffett saying was. They got opportunistic and greedy when folks were feel fearful and strapped. And well, they expanded market share. Hey, not well, to mention these dealers, they got paid too because oh, they got paid. Their, this, their paper hasn't looked this good in 10 years. Um, so they got top dollar on yeah, the sale, yeah. for sure. Because when they sold it was when cars were trading at 30, 40, 50% above book value. And, and, and those numbers, he's right, he's right, may have justified a sales price that today probably is not justified. Anybody who's a business owner who had the opportunity to sell, there's a ton of. If you look at these, uh, these, these, these uh, conventions where they put, uh, let's say you're a dentist who owns a bunch of practices, and uh, you've got a group that's out there because there's a whole model in there. For, I got a buddy on the downtown mall that specializes in that right there. There's a there's a whole bunch of. Uh, takeover going on in that space and, and medical in general to where they come in and they say, hey, doctor, you don't want to run this staff. This is what my buddy does. What a headache. Yeah. We'll come in. We'll buy that from you. You just show up and work every day. They buy, they buy the building. They buy the practice. They golden handcuff the dentist who was previously the owner with a little 10 points ownership points on the package. They Plus. do guarantee a nice salary. Yeah, yeah. They take away all the headache of running the business. They say, you just show up, maintain morale. You get a payday, and they're doing it everywhere. This dude that is on the mall, he and his partner, are doing it all over the it's country. It's really interesting you should bring this up because I had a conversation with my son-in-law. He's doing it with veterinary practices as well. This is another thing that a lot of people don't realize. You know who one of the largest owners of veterinary practices in America is? The Hershey family. Oh, really? Yeah, they're using the ducats to buy vet practices. So and the buildings so it's associated in, with them. So it's interesting because I was having a conversation with my daughter and my son-in-law, who's moving over from Richmond. He's an anesthesiologist. He's a freaking rock star of a doctor. I was like, well, you know, did they teach you how to run a business? Did they give you any business background on it? You know, because these guys are they're uh, book smart. And the answer is no. Of course not. Uh, on us stuff, but hey, I want to go back to Scott. You know who one of the most important, and this is a perfect opportunity for you to highlight a partner. You find me an attorney that is a businessman. I'll be loyal to that attorney for life. Oh, I've got one <laughs> called Bill Tucker. There it is, <laughs> Bill Tucker. Yeah, yeah. You find me an attorney that understands the concept of business and closing a deal as opposed to imploding a deal. Same with like a home inspector. You want to look at my phone. You, you told me I was not allowed to text you at 5.30 in the morning? I mean, I'm up. I think I might be up earlier now. Well, that, goes, that goes back <laughs> to my That's because you're philosophy. burning 2,500 calories, which we need to talk about. I want to uh, be surrounded by but, people. But I was, I was on the phone with him at yes. 6 o'clock this morning. Yeah, no doubt. On a deal. Sorry. There's so many people who want to, who, who, who. I was on a bike who, at the being time. Being right is more important than a yeah, successful yeah, transaction. Yeah, yeah. And it's. Yeah. I, I can't I can't talk high enough about about Bill and, and any any of the partners on there right it's all about getting the deal done all about taking care of the client all about moving forward but I want to get back to this this thing about people are buying houses so while you guys were chatting I took a quick look at 
this seven days versus the same seven days a week ago, would you believe that we've got 94 units that sold? That means this last seven days, 94 homes actually closed. That means 94 people went on the contract, went through the process, and closed this week. A year ago, it was 100. So we still have people buying and closing homes at that same clip, even with a 50% reduction in inventory. So all that is, is to Scott's point, people are out there buying, people are out there selling. You need to get in the game, just like the security guy I was talking to at, at Houston's house that he didn't want to get in the game. And now I've kind of convinced him to get into the game and just get a home, do your path, get a condo, get a town, or get something. something. Get yeah. in the game and start building your, your equity. That's, that's, that number surprised me. I expected to see a little bit of a bigger delta but almost the same amount of units closed the last seven days a year ago as it did just the last seven days. I love it. Boys and girls, questions, put them in the feed. Um, we relay them live on air. This question's come in the mix. Um, can Scott walk us through the refinance process when credit card debt is, a, is at a high for a household and how he can go about doing that um, if the, the credit card debt has impacted credit score? That's a good question. The, do these people already own a home? Uh, do you already own a home? How about you do it from both sides? If you don't own a home... It's going to be pretty difficult. It's going to be painful. Yeah. Um, if you already own a home, you may have a couple different options. Uh, one, we could look at something along the lines of... Now, if it's... If we're behind on payments, the road gets harder. So taking action before that is the case is, is what I, I cannot stress enough. And I, st I talk about it all the time. We too often find ourselves in a situation where we've stuck our head in the sand and the problem has grown to be where it's out of control. And that's when it becomes harder to help than taking some proactive action once you know things have gotten further along than where you would like them to be but you can still manage it and that could mean that everything's maxed out and you know you got a tough spot you're in a tough spot how do you get out of it there could still be an out as long as the payments are being made on time but once the payments on the credit cards the mortgage anything once those start getting behind then you become a greater risk to the investor who's going to be financing that loan and it's harder to get you the money so acting before the problem has topped, like before you've gone over the cliff, um, where it just still feels like you're, you know, your syphilis is pushing this, 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 this rock up the mountain, like that's when you need to do the work um, to move forward. Unlike to to get 2008 through 2010, you didn't have a lot of options. If you, now you have options. Now you if got you, options. If yeah. you've got a home, you've got equity, you've got options available to you. Back in 2008, 2010, when all that process, you did, there was no options. There was no equity for you to go ahead and help get out of it. Your home couldn't be put on the market to sell because there was nobody, too many. There was nobody buying. Nobody was buying at that particular time. It is so important for us to get this out and talk about this on a regular basis. And 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 if you think you're in, think that you're kind of going down that road, call Scott. Call Scott me. Morris, Ross Mortgage. Yeah, call me. Well, you know, don't please, 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 please. So my suggestion don't would, get the thirty-one days on your mortgage. My yeah, suggestion please. would be this: um, in well, call your, Bill Tucker. If 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 a cash out refinance doesn't 
fix the problem, but we can qualify you based on a, a purchase of selling the home. What we, I would, this is how I would structure it. If we can qualify you, knowing that you're going to be taking a higher rate no matter what, let's get that. Let's let's. It's on the table. Get that out of our heads and just say that is what it is. Here's how. Here's what the the solution would look like. You've got two choices: paying higher rate or filing bankruptcy. The rate's going to be high no matter. You're, you're going to think the the. If you got 800 credit right now, you think the rate's high anyway. Yep, so yep, let's let's yep. look at it this way. I would I would tell you to su- suggest sell the house. Especially if you've been at grade two more than two years, we've got no uh, uh, capital, capital gains, gains to deal with. Yeah. Sell the house. We'll mark all of the debts paid at closing on the purchase of the next sale. So you sell the house. We qualify you for the next one. We pay all the debts. We get you into the new house. You're in the house for this next year. All that credit card debt's wiped clean. You've got a year of solid mortgage payments. Your credit score is going to skyrocket. So let's assume that you're a 605. You're now going to be a, a, a 700 plus going into the next year. We're in a better rate environment. We keep some enough cash on the side to where we refinance you then into a much lower rate, much more beneficial payment. You already qualified to do this in the beginning. Your cash flow got better because we erased all the credit card debt and we gave you a path forward. You should. That's like legit information for people, J Dubs. We should mark that. I mean, that's like legit information for people to hear. And I bet you a lot of people are there. And I'm going to pay the devil's advocate for the sake of the talk show. Please. And be the somewhat of it. The only absolutely perfect path. That that path was not available in 2008. Flat out wasn't available. For you. For anybody, because you couldn't buy anything, and, and nobody was buying your house. It just there was no transactions happening at that point in time. Here's the bit of a hiccup: I got to have something to buy. That's the struggle right now, and and the struggle is if I if you I don't, if don't I necessarily have to buy it. Well, the that thing you outlined was a was a the sell he, buy. Correct? The reason he outlined the, the sell buy is because he wanted to help people improve right? their yeah. credit score. Um, all right, no, you get, could sell rent. You could sell rent. Yeah. Good luck trying and, to find a rent. But if you but, sell rent, you're going to have a harder time um, improving the credit score. But agreed. you still will have zero credit card debt, and then you can have other mechanisms to improve your score. And you're not filing bankruptcy. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Because yeah. that's what's going to have to happen. But you're, to your point, what if you don't find something to buy? Then well, you, then you then you rent. All yeah. right. So let's say. Let's or you do go this. live on my couch or whatever. Let, let's do this. Let's say we got. Uh, I got two extra bedrooms. Le, you're, you, you, you walk underst- around in your underwear. You understand the position really? that you're in, how to get out of it, Not and really. what that looks like. You put the house up for sale. You know that you're going to be making a lateral move. You find a, a house that, uh, and because of the inventory scarcity, we can guarantee you a 60-day rent back in your current sale. So you sell the house. You got 60 days. You buy a house that has some deferred maintenance. We do a we do a streamlined 203K where you go in and we replace the carpets, the countertops, and the roof. And so for less than $30,000, we do all these things. It happens inside of two months. You stay in the house that you're in. You move into the new house, and you're already in a, you're in, you made a lateral move, took debt off the table, and you're in a house that meets, for the most part, what you would like to be in from the house that you left. So here's the simple takeaway. You've got options. You've got Take options. Them. Call a trusted advisor and take them, you know. And I know that, you know. Look, I'm going to talk. I'm going to. I'm going to do a little preaching here. I'm going to talk from a personal experience. I lost 17 million dollars. I thought I could fix it. I couldn't. I, I, I didn't cause it. It didn't happen. I didn't make it happen. I didn't take 17 million dollars and go buy that yacht I got parked somewhere down in, in the Caribbean, right? I, I didn't. Is that, do that what you've been doing? 
just a little bit. <laughs> but, but little you bit. rebounded well. A little bit. But my point was the only one mistake I made was I thought I could fix it. And I believed the banks, but that was a whole different story. Bonnie Davidson, hello. Welcome to the program. Hey, She's walking, watching in Culpepper here. Guys, questions, put them in the feed. Uh, one of the Shenandoah Valley's finest backstops, Michael Ooh. Plecker, is stoking the fire. Oh. As Michael Plecker does. We love you, Michael Plecker. Um, he says, bring up the Department of Justice lawsuit as it applies to local real estate firms in central Virginia. How and much time he, we got? Plecker mentions Logan Foster and Remax. Yeah, so um, the DOJ actually is in line, is in that. So there's two things going on here. There is um, a lawsuit that's going on through the, working its way through the courts. Concurrently, there's a Department of Justice, which is one that has more import and more impact on it. I'm going to see if I can try to dumb Choosing this. your words carefully. Already. Yeah, I'm choosing my words carefully. Um, and, uh, but what I want to try to do is not cause panic and inquiry. But here, here's the... I mean, there's some ugly stuff in this here. No, there really isn't. There may be ugly stuff being floated around in the Facebook world, in the social media world, but here's what it boils down to. What it boils down to uh, is that DOJ, and let's just focus on the DOJ because that's the one that really matters, Department of Justice, is basically saying that the buyer doesn't, doesn't ha know or have the right or any input on how much commission they pay the real estate agent in a transaction because the seller's paying it which is actually false because in the state of Virginia, when I have a conversation with you, as soon as you say, I want to talk about real estate, um, there's a law that says as soon as we have a substantive conversation, and what defines substantive is a different, is an open book, because our lovely, our lovely folks in the freaking state creates this language. But what I'm supposed to do is I'm supposed to talk about what I do, what my role is, and how much I get paid. What we do, yes, realty partners, there's a thing called a buyer-broker agreement. As soon as Jerry says, hey, Keith, I want to go look at a house, we sit down and we talk about a buyer-broker agreement. In that buyer-broker agreement, it says, if the seller doesn't pay me X percent, you're paying me X percent. That's required by state law that you're supposed to do that. That doesn't happen very often. So from my perspective, this is a great thing. You know, if you're in this business and you don't know how to explain your worth, you probably ought not to be in the business. Well, there's a lot of people like that. Yeah. So remember this conversation we had about I'm thinking 30 to 50% of agents are going to leave? This is part of my calculus. Market is down to 15 and 16 all of a sudden, these certain folks have been doing business a certain way. are going to have to change the way do the way they do business, and then uh, you know the market being what it is. All that's really going to happen at the end of this, it's going to land in his part, his thing, because what's going to happen is, well, the loan side of it. That's where this is the rubber is going to meet the road. And I'm trying trying to really choose my words carefully I and say and, that and nav this navigate is rare. navigate. <laughs> I'm actually thinking. Yeah, I just, yeah I'm impressed. <laughs> what's going to happen? I mean, you got Remax and Logan Foster. Yeah, yeah, here. yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so what's going to happen here? When, when first of all, it's got to run through the Supreme Court. It's going to take forever before it happens. But when it does happen, 
I'm going to sit down with Jerry and I'm going to say, I'm representing you, which I do anyway. Here's my buyer broker agreement, which I do anyway, which tells me all my roles and responsibilities and how I get paid. And if the seller doesn't pay it, you got to pay it. Well, what's going to happen here is if the buyer has to pay it, it's got to get rolled into seller concessions. The regulators are going to have to let that happen because otherwise it's going to be cash out of the buyer's pocket. And they're never going to qualify for a loan. Correct. They're and never going to qualify for a loan because it's going to be an extra 50. If it's a $500,000 house, it's you're talking an extra 15 so Gs. This Forget really, 50. Let's just make the, let's, the, the, really the affordable housing doesn't exist under that model. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to offer perspective on this? No. You want to stay I, away from but this? But I will. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple takeaways here. Yeah, there's a lot of people who do this, who are in this business, who don't do a good job of either understanding or explaining to their clients how any of this works. That's part of the problem. Um, there's a, a huge number that are protected uh, by signing. The, you're protecting yourself and having these buyer uh, agreements, buyer broker agreements signed when you meet a client. And there's so many people out there who don't do a good job of providing value, educating, understanding, and then having that signed and then find that the client clicked on the next thing they saw on the internet and they lost the client. And they're like, how did this happen? Well, you didn't do that part of your job when you met them. So when we coach... And- he, well, I think he's not finished. And... In doing so, not only are you explaining to them how this works so there's a greater understanding, you're also building a greater level of rapport. It's beneficial to you to do it. It's beneficial to the client to do it. And in doing so, if you take that away to where the client is then responsible for making that upfront payment, they're instead of bringing potentially six and a half to eight percent total cash to close and now they're having to bring eleven percent extra three potentially 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 eleven percent um to close that's an extra barrier of entry where there we already i've just discussed the the stress that the, those buyers are going to be under, given the current economic world that we're in, we're, we're talking about making it more expensive for them. But at the same time, our woe is me political stance is we need to create more affordable housing. So, it's so, a bad take. So the premise of the agents si- offering commentary. Uh, let, yeah. let me get this out. So the premise of both things is the buyer doesn't know what they're paying. If you do exactly what Scott outlined, you can Google it. If there's a document called Exclusive Right to Represent Buyer Agreement, it's clear who pays who and how it gets and how it gets and how it gets paid. The ultimate premise of the DOJ and the lawsuit is Jerry Miller had no idea how much he was paying for my services. And I gotta tell you I think most I, buyers, let me finish yeah, this. Yeah. Because I'm gonna get myself into trouble here. If you're got a real estate license and you're not able to explain your worth you and, and do this, you shouldn't be in the game. I think most buyers have so, no idea. Most buyers have no idea about this. And I get that. In fact, I would say 90% of buyers have zero idea about this. You so, guys are looking at this from the insider's perspective. So I can tell you 100% who works with yes, Realty Partners knows what they're doing because every one of us makes sure that the buyer understands. You think most buyers understand this, Scott? 
I, I, otherwise, it wouldn't be a lawsuit. So it's, a, it's kind of an obvious Well, here's question. the lead. A federal judge in yeah. Chicago yeah. ruled that home sellers accusing the National Association of Realtors yeah. and a group of real estate brokerages of conspiring to inflate yeah. commission rates yeah. can move forward as a class action. Sure, sure. So, that, to, so mean, that's the DOJ side. We're talking about a class action lawsuit yeah. seeking more than $13 billion in damages. You know how long that's been going on? It's been going on for a while. Yeah. Three, two, you got Remax and Logan foster in this yeah yeah well we, look and the I, state you know the yeah, states they're talking right yeah, yeah i want to be super careful let's not call out specific people i'm just reading from the no, article no, i got it yeah but on the show i prefer not to call out specific okay. people okay on that, on that it's end, all on over the news I, I get that but but let's kind of stick to the facts so the sure. facts are that my industry yeah has to do a better job of explaining to that to the buyer what their roles are, what they're doing, and how we get paid. In a way, I love the fact that this is all going on because that makes you going to have to do it. You should be doing it anyway. How do you do that when you sit down with your I've client? got a two-and-a-half-minute spiel. I've timed it several times. Uh, that goes into the responsibilities and upfront costs that a buyer should expect, yeah. who, how their realtor is, is getting paid to compensate them, yeah. and why they should trust their buyer agent because they're working on the behalf of you. Um, we, have, we have a team. This is how it works. This is your, your upfront costs that you're going to expect. Um, this is how people are being compensated. This is how I'm being compensated. Um, and I have that call with you know, 80% of my clients are some that are just like, I've done this before, I got it, let's move on. But for anyone who's coming in as far as a first-time home buyer uh, that needs, that, you know, the more people understand about the process, the more they trust you in the process. So this, this document talks about broker's duties, buyer's duties, compensation, dual and designated agency. got a lot of agents agency. watching you right now. Uh, of course. Uh, disclosures of dual agency, recording miscellaneous. There's all kinds. It is very clearly done that. And every time I sit down with a client, I actually spend more time going over this than page by page of the contract because the buyer needs to understand the process. It's also really important in this document. It talks about what the buyer's responsibilities are. The buyer has responsibilities in this arrangement. So as long as you are disclosing all of that, as long as you have your buyer-broker agreement signed with your client before you open up the first house and show it to them, you're good to go. There is no problem here. It's when you don't do that, that that's where this is going to become a Michael Plecker's comment. Yeah. He says, I have already had my talk tracked down if this change takes place. It's basically going to remain as it's always been but the seller will bump the price of a listing by three percent. Th that could happen. This is all about this is all about the and this is like a Bill Tucker question. This is all about the back end of it. And we're having a conversation right now that's probably not going to get in place for years and years and years to come because this is going to end up to the Supreme Court. Carly Wagner, it's already illegal to not disclose the commission payment. If your buyer isn't aware, you should lose your license. Say that again. She says, it's already illegal. Where did that comment go? It's already illegal to not disclose the commission payment. If That's your buyer isn't aware, you should lose your license. Well, uh, Multiple uh, folks are asking if Scott's okay right now. <laughs> Literally. I've seen I'm eight, sorry, Scott. eight we, comments we, on yeah, the feed uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. right now. 
Um, when we get to angry I think we're talking about something that one hasn't even been litigated That's yet. That's exactly right. And at, I don't, That's I don't point care I'm for to the news story. We're talking about, look, this is going to work itself out. Your daughter's asking about this. Yeah, no. Then go read the news. I got the text. The, yeah. This is not, this is not, I don't, in my opinion, good fodder for a talk show because I think there's too much that is. Too much uh, nuances. And, and too much that's just. Uh, so, Yvonne, this is really simple. Explain what your role is, explain what their role is, and how you get paid and compensated, and have them sign a buyer broker agreement, and you are golden from here to the end of time. It's not that complicated, folks. Uh, and to Scott's point, this is getting a bit blown out of proportion. It's got to flush through the system. But if you do, as Carly stated, it's a state law. If you do what they, are, they tell you to do, you're good to go. The problem is, is if you don't. So, and a little self-regulatory stuff is probably in order. Okay, we'll leave it at that. Um, Eleven thirty on the talk show, right? Look here. at that. We made it right to that with that last topic. I, I try to save it for the end for a reason. I figured this would be something that would be tough for you guys to chitter chatter hey, about. Hey, what's that Korea barbecue place that, I, that I've been told about? Uh, Judah's been there. Nice or, job. All you can eat. Nice pivot. What's the name? I, think there's a I don't even need. No, this is the one on uh, on Main Street. Uh, oh, Doma. Doma. All right, I'm going to Doma after this. Okay, there you go. Doma or the sushi place I like that's over next to uh, no, uh, 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 the one with the firefighter stuff over there by Costco. What's that little? There's a sushi oh. place over there. A plus. Firefighter stuff. You talking uh, about Mission Barbecue? Mission Barbecue. Yeah, Mission yeah, Barbecue yeah. is very good. Uh, I think you have you been to Doma? I have not been to Doma. That's why I'm choosing Doma over the sushi place that I can't remember the name of next to Mission Barbecue. So plug for Mission Barbecue and kind of plug for the sushi place that I can't remember Doma's got some of the best wings in town as we go to uh, Talking Chicken Wings. Chicken Wings. How about them Mets? By the way, anybody who, if you're out there and you're like, I want a rooster, I got too many. So I'm either going to be having fried chicken soon. um, It took uh, to 1130 to talk about chickens? Or I will be happy to rehome some some barnyard mixed roosters. Yvonne might take you some. She found out that she can do chickens now in Richmond. She can do chickens. She probably can't do roosters. Can't do roosters. Uh, I love it. Thank we you. had uh, the TV station down the street tuning in while we were talking about this, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. So, look, it, it, the, there's also a responsibility of the buyer, too. I don't know. Every buyer I work with, they ask me about commissions. So, you know, it, it's a dialogue. You know, as long as everything is open and above board, you shouldn't have a problem. Um, and document it. Chicken wings, sushi, um, refinancing, getting yourself out of debt, buying homes. DOJ. DOJ. <laughs> Airbnb. Nobody ever knows what could happen on Literally Real Talk with Keith Smith. Literally anything can happen on Real Talk with Keith Smith. We focus on real estate, life, and the pursuit of happiness through prudent financial decisions on this talk show. That really go. kind of snapshots what we do here on Real Talk with Keith Smith. Um, Judah Wickhauer keeps us on air. Keith Smith is good people. Scott Morris next Wednesday. That's what you're going to ask him? Next, next Wednesday I will not be here. I'm, I'm do, going to a funeral of a good friend of mine in, in Arlington. So Jeremy Rowe potentially? You, maybe get Jeremy I may, yeah. I will, or, I, will, I, will, I will have the seats filled. Um, I yeah. may or may not be here myself. I've got but, something uh, that's going to take me out of town. We okay. will be in Arlington putting a good friend to rest. So. There you go. Um, gentlemen, thank you kindly for joining us. A true pleasure to connect with you guys. The I Love Seville show is up in 59 minutes. Take care. And let us know when we're all fair there, Jim.